This is my Ikuruaka, Stories of Haputanga. This podcast was produced by Hapai Te Hauora with support from Nōpū Te Ao Like Mine. Whakaitia te whakawhiu i te tangata. Support include and empower our whānau experiencing mental health challenges during haputanga. In this episode of Mai Kurawaka, Jess and I sit down to talk to Salah Hart, who is the CE of Hapai Te Hauora. In our conversation, we talk about Salah's upbringing and how she was whāngai to her grandparents, how Salah brought her five beautiful babies into the world, including two twin girls last year, all of which happened within a year of her becoming our CE here at Hapai. So it's a really interesting conversation, particularly for leaders um, supporting new mama and the workforce. I hope that you enjoy. Kia ora tātou, nei mai hoki mai ki tēnei kōrero o Hāpai Te Haura, ara ko mai i Kurawaka. Um, welcome back to our next kōrero today on our podcast, Mai i Kurawaka. Um, today we have our amazing CEO, um, Mama Superwoman Salah Hart, joining us to have a kōrero with us today. Um, before we get into our um, kōrero today will get you to introduce yourself, Salah. Um, ko wai koe no hea koe. Oh, tēnā tātou, uh, ko Salah a tokunga ki te tau toku mama, ko nga te kanunu ki wairarapa rawa ko ngaitahu, ki te tau toku papa, ko nga te koe ngā te apa ki te rātō, rangi tāne o wairau, rawa ko ngaitahu o piwi. So kia ora everyone, um, thank you to our team for having me on our podcast today. Um, on my mother's side, I hail from... Uh, the Morris Fano in uh, Masterton, and on my father's side, the Smith and Walker Fanos uh, from Marlborough, Lennon. Um, so it's awesome to be here. Well, thanks a lot. And so we've got myself, Jess, and Lizzie, and our beautiful Kilda. baby Hiwe Terangi. You might hear her throughout our corridor. Kilda, good to be here and to talk to you guys, talk to Salah about. Her kōrero, um, her experience as a mama, um, and her upbringing as well, which is probably a good place to start, I reckon. So who's in your whānau, Salah? Um, like my whānau whānau, or like my, what type, like any part of my whānau? Yeah, maybe start with your immediate whānau. Okay, so um, <laughs> I'm the eldest of three sisters and a brother. Um, but I'm my only biological. I'm the only biological child of my mother and father, Lindy and John. Um, I was whangai to my grandparents um, at the age of about one, I believe. I was uh, one year old when I was given to my um, nana and granddad for uh, full time care, and so I sort of grew up as a only child, um, but notwithstanding knowing that I had siblings um, in having a really close relationship with those siblings. So um, my two sisters underneath me are Sydney and Marama, and they're both the same age. So um, one's to my mum and one's to my dad. Um, they're both born in 1990. And then um, after them, I have a sister, Haraya. Um, I don't even know when she's born, 1997, I think it was. And then a little brother, um, Waitoa who's uh, my dad's only son and the one that he was waiting for. Um, <laughs> so we were all treated as uh, tomboys until he came <laughs> along and now he finally got his son to go hunting and fishing and diving and all those sorts of things. Um, but, yeah, so that's my immediate siblings and whānau. Um, I grew up in Blenheim 
and um, have been here in Tamaki Makoto for the last 10, 11 years. Um, and so, yeah, that's my cool. beginning. And then um, you've got how many Tamaki? Yep. So I'm, um, <laughs> how so, many, how many yeah, are we up to I don't know. I, I lost count a wee while ago. No, so I am a mother of five um, beautiful children, uh, three boys, Sione, Suta and Sekope. And two twin girls, Jordan and Jericho. And Hiwa Terangi is my new daughter that I've just adopted today. Obviously she wants to <laughs> jump ship. Do you have to do a head count every time you leave the house? Yes, and, and remembering their names is becoming more and more harder. So we've started a one, two, three, four, five numbering process where um, number one, number two, or number three gets yelled at. Uh, if I need something from the kitchen when I'm feeding our girls in the lounge or something like that it's it's quite funny because I've read a lot of articles about mothers and fathers uh, forgetting their children's names when they have quite a few and I experience that every single day and it's not that I don't know their names it's that my brain doesn't compute with who I'm talking to and I literally go through the five different names before I get to where I need to be in regards to who I'm speaking to Hilarious. My dad used to do that. <laughs> um, I think maybe if you can talk a bit more to being raised by your grandparents, I think mm. that's pretty special and it's not as common these days anyway. Mm. So maybe just how that's impacted you as a person or yeah, as a mama. Absolutely. So, as yeah, um, I, was a, I, I am a product of a teenage relationship and so I think from the outset, that that was probably going to be my journey. Um, I was with my grandparents, both sets, um, every weekend. Um, they'd steal me whenever they could. Uh, both my mum's parents, uh, or sorry, my my grandfather on my mum's side, and also my nana and granddad on my dad's side. And so, um, when the opportunity uh, came, um, obviously with some juggling acts because my nana and granddad both worked full time. Uh, granddad was a forklift driver at the um, railway station or the railway place whatever you call it out in Grovetown in Blenheim and my nan is a seamstress so um, yeah they had to all of a sudden bring back into the folder a one-year-old and managing um, me or or bringing me into that space. Um, I was really lucky though that they had a teenage daughter still uh, my auntie Marie who I'm very very close with um, and she was my taxi to Kohanga every day um, and and also contributed a lot to uh, my um, upbringing. So, yeah, I was really, really um, blessed to have that opportunity. And then within that, um, I also had my great-grandmother, um, who herself is a twin. Um, oh, so, wow. uh, yeah. Is that she, where it comes from? Is it genetic? Uh, I don't know. Uh, uh, probably. Uh, but we've found out during... Um, the time of having the twins is that there's quite a lot of sets of twins and triplets as well um, throughout my whanau on all of our um, respective sites. So it was inevitable, um, I'm assuming, that I was going to get um, <laughs> my beautiful twin girls. Um, but, yeah, going back to to being raised by my grandparents and, and my great-grandmother, um, we spent a lot of the school holidays with her um, shelling walnuts and bottling fruit and those types of things. So I think I was raised, well, the way that I was raised, I was exposed to a lot of things that I suppose we don't have the luxury of of being exposed to in this fast-paced world. Um, mm. And also, I suppose, being in a city centre um, now with my children, um, they don't get the same sort of exposure 
to their grandparents um, as I did to mine. So I'm really, really blessed and grateful that I had that opportunity. And I think it gave me um, a very leveled approach to a level headed approach to life um, where, you know, I, I sort of sit back and observe and then try and find the best solution for everyone. I think that comes from being um, grounded within, you know, an older generation uh, in my upbringing. Mm. No doubt you've made them extremely proud. Mm. Oh, yeah. I've met Salaz Pano. We did a focus group down in Blenheim, <laughs> and Salah just recruited her entire family. <laughs> and I feel like half the conversation was just about Salah. And I was like, guys, we're here to talk about vaping. <laughs> Salah is definitely their proudest achievement, especially your man. Beautiful. Well, we can probably move into, I guess, your transition throughout your career and mm. as a mama. Um, Lizzie was just saying before, last year you became the CEO while bringing your baby boy into this world and then moving into, you know, growing twins and so all of that was not planned, um, <laughs> but, but, it, but it occurred. So, yeah, yeah, the CEO thing was absolutely not planned. No, so um, as a part of my journey with Harpai, um, I was really blessed to have my first baby um, while while on staff and under the leadership of um, the CEO, Gary Brown, at the time. And so he, I suppose, instilled in me um, the way in which I value and understand parenthood uh, for those that have to work and you know for those that have to work to survive or those that have to work for their own um, you know progression or for those you know for whatever reason that you come back into the workforce as a mum and as a young mother I think I was about 22 when um, Sione was born and so um, to have to juggle the reality of of committing yourself 40 hours a week to somewhere as well as um, the juggling act of getting your uh, whānau sorted, I think, was um, something that I was a little bit anxious about. But um, the way in which our leadership back then, and, and it has continued throughout um, my journey with Harpai, is that we were, it was never a division between your home life and your work life. It was uh, the space where it enabled you to be where you needed to be on whatever day at whatever time, so as to ensure that there was that stress taken off your shoulders and I think that that's one of the things I've really valued about as an organisation and I hope many other organisations reflect this. And there's a burp, some nice wind. Um, reflecting a, a balanced approach to, you know, driving out your KPIs and your deliverables but also understanding that people at the end of the day need a space where they feel safe and where they feel respected and where they are able to be themselves. And I think, you know, I've, I've really tried to take what I had the advantage of and that was, you know, of a very inclusive workplace. Um, mm. I remember bringing Sione to work on my very first day back and, you know, being a little bit like, oh, okay, where does he go? What does, you know, how does this whole thing work? And I think I've learnt how to um, navigate that for other parents throughout our time at Harpy and how to make that experience a lot less more daunting. Because mm -hmm. um, I think that that's one of the biggest things is like, you know, you've you've been um, in the privacy of your own home and you've had that space to sort of navigate parenthood. And then when you're exposed to the external places that you have to venture out to, i.e. your workplace or, or anywhere, 
um, it comes with some sense of anxiety potentially around, you know, feeding in public or, um, you know, the baby's nappy exploding and you not having a spare change of clothes and those types of things. So I think that, you know, um, whatever organisations can do to support um, families um, is is the best way you can hopefully retain your, your workforce but also make your workforce not stressed out to the point of having to leave because it isn't a place that includes all parts of you. Mm. Yeah, because you often hear, well, it's quite typical that mama have to almost choose, you know, mm, yeah. do I focus on being a mum and raising my children mm. or do I choose to do, you know, focus on me and my career? Yeah. But I think that's what, yeah. You know. I think it harks back to also that whole concept around it, it takes a village because, mm. you know, I've got some real fundamental people in our family and in, a, in my extended whānau, i.e. my childcare centre, mm. um, like what I've talked about this morning with you guys before we came online, is, you know, I've got a carer um, who has looked after all five of my babies. And mm. so I trust her, you know, mm. as, as an extension of me to look mm. after and care for my babies the mm. way I would. And I think that's another whole part of it is actually releasing your child into the care of someone else. Mm. That's a big thing to, to be able to overcome is that, you know, are they going to be okay? Are they going to be mm. safe? Are they going to be held when they are mm. crying? Are they going to, you know, be cared for the way that I would care for them? And I think, you know, as a new mum, those are some of the experiences back then that I, you know, had to deal with. Obviously, mm. you have to deal with letting go at some point. But in a way that, you know, if they, if the daycare rang and said, you know, baby's unsettled, can you come? That I was allowed to go immediately. Mm. And there was no questions asked, you know, and it was just, okay, see you tomorrow. Mm. And I think that, you know, if we if we can reflect the society that actually places importance on that and not this mm-hmm. whole, I don't know, um, thinking that, you know, you, you've got to split your, your world apart in regards yeah. to work and home mm-hmm. life. And so I suppose, yeah, the planning of the, the three babies that have come over the last two years didn't exactly... Um, it wasn't written into my future that I see and I thought I was stuck with two two boys and that was going to be me, but... Um, obviously things happen for a reason and I'm really blessed to have rounded out my family to now five kids <laughs> um, and, and obviously with the inclusion of our baby girls it's been a really awesome adventure and I think um, one of the things um, that I suppose it takes a toll on you mentally is around you know that that balancing act of Am I giving enough as a mum? Am I giving enough mm. as a CEO? Am I giving enough as a person and an individual and a work colleague? Because at mm. the end of the day, you know, I, I might have the leadership role at Harper, but I also just want to be, you know, a normal person within the organisation mm. too. And so mm. that takes, you know, a lot mm. of energy and effort to make sure that you're completing all of those things at all mm. times. Your mum is guilty. No matter what we all go through. <laughs> yeah. But actually, you raise your points last. Because when I think of you, you are like the Beyonce in my life. <laughs> you know that saying, like, if Beyonce has eight hours in a day, you do too. I'm like, Salah has eight hours. I can do this. <laughs> but my question to you on that note is, can you just walk us through, this could be a little bit pervy, but just walk us through your hour by hour of your day because I just am very curious as to how you manage to raise five kids, three under one, twins, <laughs> and like raising 
30 half-high babies <laughs> at the same time. Yeah, so oh, as an example, this morning I was awake at some ungodly hour with the oldest twin, Jordan. I think it was around four or five this morning. I was breastfeeding her, um, hoping that the other twin didn't wake up. Um, and so I suppose, you know, you take every day as it comes and every day um, is different. There's uh, usually around 5 to 6 p.m. There's a lot of yelling that comes out of my mouth in regards <laughs> to put your lunchbox on the bench, get your plate off the table, <laughs> those types of things where, you know, it feels like I have five babies in nappies because they don't know how to put their dishes up on the bench. Um, no, but I've been really blessed, I suppose, to be in a position to have um, their dad, my partner Joe, um, be able to be right alongside me through this journey. And I think without him, I would be, you know, in Struggle Street. It's been a really awesome opportunity to see him grow as a father. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think with the girls, um, he's he's softened a lot. And, I, you know, <laughs> people had always said that to me, oh, yeah, once he has a girl, he'll soften. And I didn't think that because he's quite a, you know, he's quite a hard dad. Um, and that's probably just from the experiences of being raised in a in a very strict household. But I think that, you know, um, yeah, it's it's the support system that you surround yourself with. It's the way in which you have to be ultra organized. And that's probably one of the real big key things is making sure that you can balance all of the things um, without being too hard on yourself. Last week, I forgot Suter's togs for swimming day and it was too late to go home and get them. And so I think you've just got to be okay with missing it sometimes, but also hoping that you can get everything done um, as you need to do it. Mm. I had this good, um, I guess, analogy the other day about the juggling act as a mama, a working mama or parent, you know, um, around like imagining you've got all these different balls that you juggle across all the hats you wear, but it's you've got to work out which balls are the glass balls and which balls mm-hmm. are bouncy balls, so yeah. which balls you can drop that will be okay mm. and then the balls that you really can't drop because mm. they'll smash you know mm. so it's like a constant prioritizing of yeah and every day those balls might change, change. Yeah. yeah 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 really really interesting um just reflecting on what you were saying earlier about kind of the different hats you wear like you've just finished you know like what ceo would you see organizing yeah. the feeding room for your staff like you got up just before this interview and ran and got feeding chair for Lizzie and you've put it in this area that we're setting up for her and you know yourself and other mama um I think that's really humbling you know like most other people would kind of get other people to do it or just wouldn't even think like that um yeah you've kind of already spoken about it but I guess what I'm trying to get to is what else is important to you I guess because you are a mama so you already know but you know to really grow that um, supportive environment for for Fano, for parents, for mama, mm. for breastfeeding mama, for whatever. Like, what are the key things that, um, yeah, can continue well, to build that? For the answer, to, yeah, the answer to that question is do unto others as you would want to be done unto you. So, yeah. as a mum walking into a space, you always want to um, know that people uh, have got you, and that's mm. always what I want to exemplify as a leader. And I think that many leaders before me and that will come after me, um, have taught me those those um, skills and attributes to have. Because if you are seen to be a dictator or, you know, mm. that, that things like that are beyond you or, or shouldn't 
be a bother to you, then actually you're removing yourself from being the solution. Mm. And so I think that, um, yeah, you've got to, got to walk the walk and talk the talk and any if it is as simple as something like that you know that took me two seconds out of my day but actually that might mean a lot to others mm. um and I think that you know sometimes we forget or we get caught up in the busyness of you know just like what I talked about before you know hitting our KPIs and getting that contract signed and all of mm. these things when actually without my team without you guys being as comfortable and as confident as you can be then we we are nothing and mm. so I think that a lot of um, probably corporate organisations come with that whole facade that, you know, it's it's profit over people. Well, obviously at Harpoy that isn't the case. <laughs> oh, I absolutely want some more profit. Like, don't get me wrong. We all want profit so we can, you know, collectively do more and better things for our whānau, hapui, and communities. But at the end of the day, if we don't support one another um, mm. as individuals and those walking into these new um, parts of their life, you know, then we, yeah, we're not exemplifying what we should be. Mm. I have a pass by. So Jess's point around those glass balls and bouncy balls, from my perspective, one of the big glass balls that I have identified within myself as a mum is mental health my well-being what does that look like for you yeah some days are good some days are bad and you know some days I'm I'm crying you know crying myself um into into a you know frazzled state and other days I'm amazing and I feel beautiful and you know all of those things so I think that again every day is a different day and you've got to sort of wake up with the hope that um, it will be a good day and if it isn't then deal with it and and get whatever you need to get done to um, replenish that within you because mm. if you continue to work your way down 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 and, and mm. not replenish yourself um, then that's when it probably can get a little bit um, hard mm. and I think that you know sometimes as you know working people or just as, as mums in general I think you are sometimes so hard on yourself to try and do all of the things for everyone mm. that it, it comes at a cost of your yeah, your own mm. mental health and well-being and that should be first and foremost what you should try to deal with first mm. um, alongside keeping everyone else in the family as healthy and well as they can be too. Um, you know, every day, like what I've said, the, the glass ball might change. One day it might be, you know, a work thing is, is the glass ball and so mm. I can't drop that and so that means that I've got to pull on my support network to actually be able to navigate, okay, you guys are going to do the babies. I've got to go and do this, you mm. know, really important meeting or something like that. And then it's also reflecting back to that support network, you know, thank you so much for doing that. You know, now I'm I'm back and I'm here and I can um, take some of that load. And I think that I've been really um, lucky to have um, all of my whānau and Joe's whānau as well mm. being um, really helpful um, in supporting us as a whānau unit. What are um what are some of the other ways that you find time to you know for yourself in terms of your mental well being that um are there any ways that you you know find in your everyday or is it that you take a chunk of time mm-hmm. yeah like, uh, you know at certain time periods or is yeah just for I think for that, me like and this has always been the case whether I was a mum or not it's going home so going home to me is that refresher um mm. I try well we have been uh, making a conscious effort every Christmas to go home 
Um, and obviously with the lockdown, we decided to go home and then we didn't come mm. back for six months. So that was a real <laughs> good refresher, uh, probably one that went a little bit too long. Um, no, but notwithstanding, you know, that is my that is where I draw my energy from. That is how I rec- recover and recruit myself is by going home and to mm. be with my whanau and to stand on my whenua and to, you know, bathe in my ocean and my awa. I think that those are the things that, you make sacrifices, and my sacrifices being away from from my home um, for the benefit of my career, and for mm. the hopefully for the benefit of my tamariki and the education that they can embark on up here. Mm. Um, but ultimately, you know, home is always calling my name. My mm. family is always calling my name to go home, and I think for many of us, that is a struggle that you have to deal with mm. on a day to day. And and also mm. the other way around, like I'm I'm calling to want to go home too one day, and I yeah. think for many of us. Um, you've got to do what you've got to do in the moment. But ultimately, if everyone can be placed in um, their own rohe or their own whenua to be able to do the best that they can do either for those people or for everyone, then, mm. you know, that, that would be a really awesome um, way to replenish everybody. Mm. Um, but maybe um, in terms of your growth in your career mm. um it kind of happened alongside your growth as a mama mm. um so maybe if you can talk through some of the challenges or some of the um you know, learnings you have from that journey from a young you started at Harpo when you were 21 21 mm. and you're now the CEO yeah. like that you know yeah. you don't really see that kind of commitment and loyalty mm. Um, to an organisation. Yeah, well, yeah. So, so how I came to Harpai was um, I fired Glavish. Uh, I was working under her. I got a, a couple of week placement, working as an admin support for her and um, her her nephew by uh, virtue. Came down the the road. We were based in the Green Lane Clinical Centre at that time, working under Auckland DHB. And uh, Gary came and knocked on her door and said, "I need someone to come and support me uh, from an administrative." perspective I need a PA and um Fianata said yep I've got this girl interview her and give her a job and so that was you know it was history from then and I think that when I seen the doors open for me as simply as that and I know that you know that that wouldn't be the story um in many cases mm. um I took it upon myself to actually commit myself to Harpai as an organization to the work that we do collectively uh, across Aotearoa, I think, was one of the things that I could pay back in whatever I can offer in the space. And so being able to grow um, throughout uh, my, you know, time with Harpai has been really um, inspirational because I've got to meet and engage with a number of um, team members, staff members, you know, community members, or, you know, workforce, stakeholders and all those types of things. And I think you know, I've been really blessed and lucky to have the opportunities that I've had. Um, notwithstanding, it comes with a lot of hard work. Mm. Um, don't get me wrong, I didn't just, you know, sort of sit on <laughs> sit on the chair over there in the corner and do nothing and get to where I am. I, I you know, I want to say that I did work really, really hard, um, as did many others. And, you know, I, I am only as good as the um, work that is done alongside me. And so I think that there's some really uh, great, ways to demonstrate that you can grow and Mm. and develop in a career um it's just dependent on the opportunity at the time and obviously I had that opportunity to shadow um some of our previous CEOs and learn and grow from them 
um, and the mistakes that they made or the um, great outcomes that they achieved, I was there right alongside them. And I think all of our leadership prior to me taking on this role has contributed in some way, shape or form to the way that I am um, mm. leading the organisation. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, we've just returned after a little poo explosion, which was just <laughs> around the same time that you were talking about how is it that I navigate a staff member coming in with a nappy explosion? Well, you got one. Um, so hopefully we just stunk out the room. But I have a part I around um, your progression into the role you're in now. When I look around and I see other leaders at that same level as you, what I see is predominantly men, particularly within, um, not Māori health especially, but within that health space men who are twice as old as you mm. what is that like How- yeah it's quite um different because I obviously I come from a space where I've always respected my yeah. elders and so sometimes that goes against I have to go against those things that are instilled within me and so mm. you know I if, if I don't agree with something that's been said around a you know a CEO board table I need to put my own personal feelings aside and actually challenge that space and that's been one of the things I suppose that has been um, a learning experience for me and I'll take it as an experience because you know you would never speak back to your kuyo komatua um, and if you did holy moly watch out but I think that um, what I've really been able to do is approach it in a way that is for lack of a better word manner enhancing um, you know approaching the conversation or approaching the issue uh, with the basis that I am advocating for our people. And mm. so if there's a decision being made or conversations being had that I don't agree with, I do it because I have the mandate of our um, people to speak on that behalf. And obviously mm. people are um, going to take that or leave it. Uh, but, I, you know, that's one of the things I suppose has been a real um, highlight for me is being able to, yeah, learn how to graciously... Um, compromise on my inner belief that you you don't ever challenge what a what a person older than you says but I think in this situation I I can't Mm. stick to that in some instances I have to challenge the norm I have to challenge those behaviors because if I don't then no one will um I also think that you know I'm a reflection of the people that need to have that voice at the table and Mm. so I think that you know it is it is I have to go over and above what is expected of other CEOs in those spaces because Mm. I actually come with you know lived experience of all of the things that we're trying to change or challenge or address Mm. um you know in my in my CEO interview um I was asked the question or a a statement was framed to me around oh but you've you know you've got a good job and you've had a good career you know how how can you um, understand the impacts of all of the bad things that happen to our communities and I said well you know that's um that a question like that is is really you know mind-boggling because I am a product of a teenage parenthood. I am a a whangai baby to grandparents who didn't you know. I'm a I'm an only child with half brothers and sisters. I am a you know a, a grandchild of those that had alcohol dependence and you know were chain smokers and mm. have struggled with mm. um weight issues and you know all of the things um for for that remark to be made to me by a panelist and, and not by one of our our own 
um, I think makes these assumptions that because I hold the title of, of this job um, that I haven't mm. experienced any of those things. And I think that that's what drives me to do even more or to do better in the places and spaces that I now get to represent us in um, is because, you know, I have gone through many of those things. We all have as mm. families and um, as whānau and as individuals. And so that drives me to be even more passionate about waking up and coming to Mahi every day. Mm. Um, I, like it's quite obvious your like the connection between your whānau life, your life as a mama, and how it's been able to kind of seamlessly move through your career. Mm. Um, is has it is it the same the other way? Like, are you able to? navigate some quite hard conversations maybe around public health issues in your whānau and your community how does that kind of yeah we have some we have some real good debates um yeah and I think that's what grounds me is that I can like go and test some of the things that I'm thinking mm. on my actual whānau like mm. you know I'll go to my whānau who who smoke or might vape mm. or those types of things and test some of the things that I've got in my head because it's often our own that yeah. are the hardest and, and exactly and so mm. you've got to be you've got to test your own networks and especially your own whānau is your biggest critic mm. um to be able to make sure that you are making sound calls when you're when you're speaking to media or when you're positioning things as an from an organizational sense and obviously um you know those those things come and go um as do many things, but I think, you know, it's been a real um, great way for me to make sure that I'm on track um, mm. with some of my thinking. Obviously, mm. we're based on science and evidence and those types of things, but nothing can go past actual real lived experience. Mm. Um, and I think from a, you know, a big underlying thing, we talk about all of these different issues and addictions and all that sort of stuff, but it harks back to having good mental health. Um, and, mm. you know, I think that a lot of that gets forgotten or it's just sort of shoved to the side. And, you know, just yesterday we had a family member who was reaching out um, to myself and Joe around um, his struggles with his mental, mental well-being right now. And I think that those things never go away. You don't stop, like your job doesn't stop at five o'clock. Mm. You, you address the issues as they hit you mm. and then you respond the best you possibly and so me and Joe were making a plan, you know, what can we do to support his mental well-being to make sure that he is supported in the way that he needs to. And I'm not paid to do that. Mm. I'm doing it as a whānau member or as mm. a, you know, as a person that can support mm. in that moment with the with the um, blessing and the, the, what is it, um, the, the learnt um, ways that I can navigate people into services or into support and those types of things. But, you know, for our, many of our... And, Māori and Pacific communities, sometimes it's like we don't want to use that system, we want mm. to find our own system of support, and so that mm. means that that lays on the shoulders of us as individuals yeah. um, to navigate that on their behalf mm. or um, to to find other solutions that can support mm. mm. Lizzie, did you have anything else? Because I have one last slide. Just running in and out because every time she starts screaming, I'm like, gosh! <laughs> we'll cut this bit out, but... Um, just reflecting on what you had shared before about how you balance your tamariki and your work, I actually think, because I've talked to um, Salah's kids before on <laughs> a number of different kaupapa but they get roped in on, but I can remember sitting down and talking to them about something which, to me, when I started at Half I seemed really complicated. It's supply reduction, right, which is like 
how is it that we can reduce the density of tobacco in our neighbourhoods? And we put all this flash research around it and put all these stats. I sat down to talk to Salah's kid. And essentially, Sione just identified what we need to do in two sentences. Mm-hmm. I was like, Sione, if you, if you sit down with me, I'll buy you an ice cream. So we bought him an ice cream. And I was like, all right, so how do we get rid of cigarettes in our community? Two words, bulldozers. Just get a bulldozer, knock down all the dairies, just smash them, all of them. <laughs> and I was like, well, got a good point. That's supply reduction. And and I guess your point's a lot. It's like having your tamariki are an asset to your mahi, right? Mm. Because what a great sound check that they are rather than this burden that, oh, how am I going to navigate that? How am I going to juggle with work? Mm. It's like, yeah, and if I you think, bring yeah. them to the table, right, yeah. they've got the answers too. It, it is hard for those that don't work in, I suppose, in health or education or those types of um, inclusive um, streams of work. And mm. I think that, you know, we're really, I'm really blessed and I acknowledge, um, you know, that, that they have to give a lot of their time too, even if it's just, shush, shush, be quiet, mum needs to listen to the, you know, the debates from, you know, over the whole last <laughs> few months of me listening to all the political slander and, mm. and you know, robust discussions that have been happening. <laughs> they have to get off their cartoon channel and, and let mum listen to the debates. But I think that that's really another thing that's sort of um, opened my mind to ensuring that we don't sugarcoat or mm. um, determine our kids' understanding of things. And so I took Sione with me. I, I made a conscious effort to take him to with me to Papatuanuku Kōkiri Marae to vote this year and it was a, a, a thing that I wanted to do with him so that he could understand that his vote counts or his voice counts and that my vo- my vote or my voice counts and I think that that was a really cool um, experience for me to do with him because obviously we went you know I said to him oh son we're going to go down to the marae oh mum what are we going to the marae for I'm going to go and vote oh you're going to go vote for Jacinda that was his immediate thing oh, and so you wow. know it was like he had already put together the things in his mind that he knew Jacinda was a part of, you know, our government mm. and, and that, you know, mum would be lending her vote to to Jacinda. And so, you know, when I came out, he, he wasn't able to come in because of COVID-19 restrictions. I was here to sit out in the um, Marae and wait for me. And then when I came out, he goes, oh, mum, who did you vote for? Did you, did you vote for Labour? And I was just like laughing in my <laughs> mind because obviously – the influence of myself being, you know, politically up with the play mm. and always talking about it in our home, I think has has been absorbed in some way by him. Mm. And when I told him, um, I can't tell you who I, I voted for, that's, that's my private business and he's <laughs> like cracking up laughing at me because, you know, that's probably discussions like that don't happen, you know, all the time within mm. our, our whanau households. Mm. Um, but I really hope that it is something that we start to encourage our, our kids to be aware of and to understand that they are the most important component of our governorship or, you know, of the leadership that gets appointed is that if you don't like what's happening, then you go out and you make your voice heard. Mm. And not just in an election cycle, in any space or place, is that we need to empower, not Sorry, I don't like to use the word empower. We we need to enable our kids to know that the the magic sits within them and that they mm. can do all of those things. Yeah. Um, I guess we can one final little closing part. I 
um, if you if you could say one thing to your twenty one year old self entering the workforce or your twenty two year old self about to give birth to your um, first child um, or to any other young parents or first time parents out there, um, what would you say? Um, I'd say it's going to be okay. Um, you know, you, there will be ups, there will be downs. Um, you'll go round and around in a ringer washer um, time and time again, uh, but you'll come out the other side even better and stronger. And I think that that's one of the things that um, I hope everyone uh, is able to see is that, you know, motherhood, parenthood um, strengthens you and gives you s- such a different lens on the world. Mm. Um, it places so much importance on um, collective growth. Um, and putting aside individual growth, I suppose, is you can do that. You can you mm. can still individually grow, um, mm. but you are doing it with the mandate of your own bano to say, you know, I'm doing this for a purpose now. Mm. You might have been doing it for a purpose previously, but, you know, it, your kids give you that sense of I want to achieve something and I want to be who they look up to um, mm. and I want to do it in a way that um, they can honour that and do even better than what mum or dad did. Mm. Beautiful. That was really beautiful, Stella. Thank you for sharing with us today. Um, I'm like learning more and more about you every day as a leader, but today learned so much more. And I, there's no doubt there's stuff that um, lots of other mama will connect to as well in your corridor that you shared. So, Inakwe, um, from me, Lizzie, and Tiwe Kirangi. This is my Ikuruaka, stories of Haputanga. This podcast was produced by Hapai Tahawuda with support from Nopu Teao like mine. Fakaitia te fakafiu ite tangata. Support include and empower our whanau experiencing mental health challenges during Haputanga.